That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been uh, consuming, basically. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. This week we are talking more Gialli, more Mm. found footage, and some spooky TV. I know, it's shocking. (laughs) The first two of that I don't think is going to be changing for a while. (laughs) I know, whatever, it's fine. Um, so before we do get to that, we did have a comment. Um, well, we had two comments actually. One from um Kate Miles that that kind of tweeted at us about a choose your own adventure book, The Green Slime. She said that not a movie, but this gave me serious kinder trauma. And do you remember those books, the kind of choose your own adventure books? Yes, I remember the choose your own adventure books. I read a lot of horror books growing up, but I definitely remember these, and I think a lot of the ones that I did were like fantasy ones i have like a very distinct memory of reading them in english class too like we had quiet reading time what about you terry do you remember the um i don't remember what they were called but they were they were the fantasy ones but they had like places for you to roll a die and put numbers was it in the dungeons and Dra- was it the dungeons and dragons ones see i'm trying to think if it was the D ones i don't remember there was like a it was i don't remember what it was but i remember picking these books up at like the the sort of like antique type places and like yeah they were like they were basically choose your own adventures but there was like places to write in numbers like you had to fight skeletons in one of them and, oh that's and, but, wild but it was like, so it, it was sort of like the choose your own adventure but you could also die because you had like a hit point to keep track of and i really wish i could remember what they were called oh my god i was like always so anxious about choose your own adventure because i always wanted to choose the right one <laughs> <laughs> like they just gave me like anxiety but it's so much fun when you fail i loved failing in them is always like oh, I hated it. Oh, that has a lot to say about who I am as a person. But <laughs> I hated failing at them. Uh. But oh, I love horror books. They're so good. Horror books are so good. In fact, I did get some for a, a Christmas present from someone that I'm really excited to to oh dig my gosh. into. Got 
the Sundown Motel, which I saw Megan Navarro tweeting about. Is it from like a series? No, it's a it's a new it's a new book. Oh, set in like two different time periods. Mm. Is it like a an adult book or is it for kids? Oh, this is an adult book. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> And then um, you know, another book I just got, too, that I'm excited to read is Mexican Gothic. Oh, my God. I need to read that. I want to read it. I can't remember so someone bad. on the podcast mentioned it. And then I saw Megan yeah. tweeting about that, too. And so I added it to my list. And I, I got both of those for a Secret Santa gift. And I'm really excited. Oh, and I actually have been reading something really interesting that I wanted to talk about very, very briefly. What's that? So uh, not too long ago, Steve um, got me this book called The Five, The Untold Lives of the Women Killed by Jack the Ripper. What? And it is so fucking good because I like, you know, as many of us are love true crime. And, you know, you hear about Jack the Ripper and talking about who he is and like the women he killed. But they're mostly just like, you know collateral and dead bodies but this book is about the five women and the lives they led before they were killed and talking a lot about like the workhouse conditions in london and how difficult it was to just like function in that society and how you know even if some of these women had good lives to start it wasn't always it's a tumultuous journey for a lot of them so it's really wow really good i've only read one of the women's stories so far but it's just like fascinating and i'm not usually into books like nonfiction history books like this but it's really amazing and i just love the way of like telling the stories of people who deserve to have their stories told and not to just be like names that are attached to a man so yeah i i mean i, I do think that's part of the problem that i i do kind of have a lot with with sort of the true crimeness of of where we are at in a society is that kind of it's not glor glorification of of the serial killer but it's a lot more focused on the yeah. kind of like grotesqueries of the crime vice the the actual victim so that that kind of makes me interested yeah, so it's The Five, The Untold Lives of the Women Killed by Jack the Ripper. It came out last year, so it's pretty new. And it's okay. written by a woman, Haley Rubenhold. Ooh, good. So Even better. It's really... Anyway, I got sidetracked by books. But yeah, I would highly <laughs> recommend that book, especially if you're into history and his and maybe even history that isn't the usual canon of which we hear. Yeah. Um, and then we also did have a comment from uh, Mario on Twitter. It's a Mario i love that i love that name it's um, Mario. where they were at least were asking about us um including the names of the films a little bit more that we recommend because you know you're, you might be working or writing things down or doing some other stuff and you want to catch the name so we are going to both talk about the names a little bit more and we're also going to include them in all the show notes from here on out so that uh if you miss it in the episode you can always look at the the details Yes. Thank you for that recommendation. Yeah. I really appreciate that for sure. So, Mary Beth, what have you been watching this week? So, okay. What have I been watching? So first, I just want to briefly mention Promising Young Woman since the embargo mm -hmm. is up. Mm -hmm. I yep. watched it. Uh, I reviewed it. I didn't like it. I don't agree with a lot of the things being said about it. I won't go too deep into it because I know a lot of people like it. And I also don't like disagree. I uh, not disagree. I don't. I'm not mad or upset about that. I went through like this thing yesterday where I was like, oh my God, am I wrong for not liking this? I don't want people to think right. I like think I disparage their thoughts. But basically, it wasn't for me. I know that a lot of people like it and are probably going to like it. But just from my own um, personal and critical perspective, not what I expected at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I, I kind of think, I mean, we've talked about it a lot off of the podcast, but um, I, I agree with you. Um, I'm for some reason, the people that I got my screener for, I'm embargoed from reviewing it until January. I don't, I don't know. I don't get it, but I'm going to play by the rules, but I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, yeah, I, it just yeah. wasn't, it's not for me. It's not for me. And, but it's, it's sort of a hard topic. I mean, you know, it's like people react to things differently than other people. And it's just, yeah. And especially because like, okay, we'll, we'll put, I'm going to put a little trigger warning here. Y'all talking about <clears throat> sexual assault very briefly, but I mean, sexual assault survivors, I think I want to, I, I, I am a sexual assault survivor and I am more interested in hearing those perspectives on this movie simply because it is, that's the topic. And I'm not saying that if you weren't assaulted, your opinion isn't wanted or like appreciated, but I do want to know because especially, especially with rape revenge movies, like some of us, like myself included, find them very cathartic and interesting and others avoid them like the plague, which is again, very understandable. So I'm just curious about the conversations between survivors and what they think of the movie. And if, you know, I'd love to have discussions about like why it's empowering to them because I am curious, like from a very genuine perspective, would like to hear about it and want to like have that those conversations because I think this is a good movie to have conversations about. I don't think they're conversations that are going to be had in Twitter threads because there's right. absolutely no room for nuance. But I think there's a really interesting dialogue that this movie can start. And I mean, I didn't hate all of it, but I think its ultimate message is very awful. But I think there's some interesting stuff in there. And yeah. I mean, hey, it's a big fuck you to the patriarchy. So, like, I can't complain about that either. Yeah. Fair. Anyway. Yeah. Besides that, <laughs> on a more positive note. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Last time I talked about the Blackwell Ghost. Oh, yeah. And then I watched the Blackwell Ghost too. Oh. And they're so good so far. Is, is the sequel good? Yes, it is. So there's five yeah. of them. Right. And I've they seem to be pretty consistently good. And something that this I like just thought of watching the second one was like this is one of those rare found footage movies where he doesn't die and you know he doesn't die because the guy who oh. makes them claims they're real. And right. it's so fascinating watching a found footage movie where you know that the guy is going to come out okay. Like it feels a little less voyeuristic, but it also feels much more intense to me because it's like you know, and found footage, you're experiencing it together, but he very much is often like addressing the people because he's making this for people who want them. And, you know, there's a lot of like people really love these movies and like found footage Facebook groups are really into them. And so he like addresses the people who love these movies. And it's like an interesting community building aspect to huh. this movie. Yeah. So what's this one about? So this one is, um, it's basically as an extension of the site of the first one where he goes back to the same house where the okay. um, Ruth Blackwell is haunting it where the, so it's the same house. It's the same ghost, but this time he gets some more information from a woman who grew up with Ruth Blackwell and Ruth Blackwell in this story is a woman who killed a bunch of kids and threw them down a well in the basement. Oh, and so she's not a good person by any means. And so this is this takes place after Turner gets Turner the filmmaker gets some more evidence that like more kind of a lead. He finds some interesting things that are really grotesque and then the owner of the house lets him know that he's going to sell it so he has one final like 3-day overnight investigation. 
where shit pops off. Hmm. So I think it's really, I mean, again, like, thank you to Cephalopod Gal for bringing this to my attention. Yeah. And the thir- three, four, and five, I think he's like, he basically at the end of this one says, like, I thank you for changing my life, Ruth Blackwell. This isn't like the end. And I think the rest of them talk are addressing like other ghost stories that he investigates. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I really liked the way that this all wrapped up. Are you going to watch more? Yes, I am. Because they're like they're relatively short, and I really like Turner's personality. He's kind of just like a dad, and he's very personable and very sweet. And I I kind of like that in the found footage where it doesn't feel like he's acting. He's just like a dude. I mean, he acts like it's real. Like this is a dude with a camera who's just like, oh, that kind of freaked me out. Like he's not exaggerated scares. Mm. He just like a- tries to act all cool when he hears these noises. So I just really like him as a personality, and I think that's okay. really helpful. So I'm gonna watch the rest of them when I have cool. when I have time. So now <laughs> to our jolly journey. This yes. week, what did we watch this week, Terry? We watched the Red Queen kills. How many times? Not once. Mm, um, not twice. I think it was like what seven times? Seven times? Yeah, I think that's. I think, I think it's seven. The Red Queen kills seven times. <laughs> I love Giallo titles. I, love I them. know it's just like a full sentence. Whatever. <laughs> and this it's one is. Fine. It is like a thesis statement. It's, it's like it's a the thesis Red Queen. Statement. She's she's a Red Queen, and she kills seven times. And this is the body of her work. It's a subject and a verb. <laughs> what did you think of it? Okay, I love this. Or what was because, it about? Let's let's start there. Oh, okay. So this is about a red queen who kills someone. <laughs> <laughs> Duh, it was in the title, Terry. <laughs> Self-explanatory. So this movie is about two sisters who f- fucking hate each other. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, they, they do. They really don't like each other. <laughs> Their grandfather dies, and they inherit this family castle that is supposed to be haunted by a murderous ancestor there's a curse that it was every 100 years that she would come back so. and kill i think it was 100 years you know and she'll kill seven times and <laughs> lo and behold 100 years later someone or something is killing seven times <laughs> and that sounds really simplistic and silly but it's actually really really interesting if this is a much more like this is it was directed by Emiliano Maraglia and this this Luciallo has the most feminine energy out of all oh, the ones we've watched so, so far feminine. and I love it like most of the characters are women most of them are women and, and they're all fabulous like oh my god the fashion uh, in this movie the fashion because uh. it's all about fashion so Kitty is one of the sisters she's like she's a, one of the main characters and she is a fashion photographer and it's just like all these amazing sequences of women in like fancy clothes getting their pictures taken and it's cool to see Kitty as a fashion photographer because so often you see fashion photographers played by men looking at women but it's a woman looking at a woman and I love that I just think it's it's just neat <laughs> <laughs> it's just neat it is just neat I'm like giddy about this movie I don't know why. It was just like such a beautiful thing to look at and enjoyable. It's gorgeous. And again, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. 
it's it's really beautiful. I think it's really beautifully filmed. I think the the aesthetic choices that are made in this. Um, I think like you sent me <laughs> a screenshot of the one dude who is like rocking a cloak that or like a robe that is also like short short like length. It's and like it's- you can almost see his dick. It's so funny. It's so and like fabulous. it's so fabulous. And his apartment is has like this wallpaper that's like green and white and yellow striped. Like these Giallo movies have the best apartments and the best mm. rooms. And it's like movie after movie, the like the set design is absolutely astounding and gorgeous and makes me want to redecorate my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I also love that we have that not only do you have this like very high fashion world of the of like Italy in this in this time is is it Italy? Is no, they're in they're in Germany at this in, in this in the movie. So like you have like this high fashion of this like this foreign fashion, but then it's also mashed against very gothic like a very gothic yeah. story of like sisters hating each other and like the sort of like almost psychosexual like in this gothic castle that yes. has like that floods at one point and has like, like rat rats problems just like coming out of pipes and like people out just of the walking, stone floor just walking to the basement with bats flying above them like and she's just, so just nonchalant. like bats it's whatever bat. whatever well, just, just a bat you know <laughs> I just I love the 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 juxtaposition of that sort of like high fashion modern world with like this very traditional gothic story and I like that there's yeah. a sort of like a supernatural tinge to it like it's not but it there is sort of you know Yeah I really yeah I love that too I also really like the use of the color red. Like a mm. lot of these movies obviously have like a color in the title but the way that they use the colors is so purposeful um, yeah. There's this really interesting, I think it's towards the end where Kitty is walking through the castle and she's wearing this bright red outfit and she just, oh. she looks almost foreign in the Victorian castle. She looks so modern against yeah. this very, this Victorian background. And it's just so, the framing and the way this film is shot is just absolutely gorgeous. And uh, Terry and I were talking, it's a little bit slow. Mm-hmm. Like a there lot are of some I mean, pacing issues, I think. I think we can kind of agree that a lot of Giallo has that problem. Yeah. Sorry if that's an unpopular opinion, but I don't mind it. I don't mind that. But I was not as distracted by that, I think, because it was so pretty to look at that I didn't even think about it. But this is really, really awesome and definitely a Giallo that I haven't heard talked about as much. I know that Anya Stanley brought it to your attention, Terry. Yeah. So. And you know what what I also love is it has it has Sybil Danning in it as Lulu. Oh my and god, like, Lulu. I uh, I wrote down one of her lines where she's like basically she's coming on to the main character's like man and she's like even the police know that I'm an incredible nymphomaniac. And I just loved that line so much. I'm like, "Yes, queen, you own you I own just, that." Yes, I love when female characters are like super sexual and they just like, "Yeah, I'm super sexual." It's just like, "Oh my god." It's even the just police so, know. <laughs> it's so good. And she's like, "You guys can talk about sex. You and Kitty can talk about sex, but I'll like actually have sex with you." And she's right. like, "I'll be like the second person. I don't care." It's just like very sexually liberated in a in a great way. This whole movie felt that way. Like, e- e- like even with um with the man that she was with, and they're going out looking for a prostitute to have a threesome with. Like, it's just it's very nonchalant, and the and the police don't seem to care that that that's why they were there. So it's like it it has this this sort of like really kind of. I mean, it it does feel like the seventies. That kind of seventies era of like nonchalant um sex that I just I think is so. 
I don't know. It's so it felt so like authentic and so wonderful. <laughs> I don't know. It's it was so weird to think about, but I know. But wow. And the Red Queen, her laugh. Her laugh, like the most diabolical evil laugh. She comes around Amazing. and wearing like this this sort of red dress and then she kills people and she goes running off going ha, 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 ha. and maybe I'll try to in- incorporate her laugh in here so you guys can hear exactly it's- what it is because it's so it's so fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Same. So, okay, besides the Red Queen kill seven times, Terry, what have you been um watching and enjoying this week? Well, okay, so I want to I haven't been watching this, but I want to throw this out there for listeners. If you I know there are so many streaming services out there, and I know no one wants to add another one to it, but I'm telling you, if you have Apple TV Plus, or even if you don't and you want to try to get like a free trial, the first season of Servant that came out last late last year and early this year is probably my favorite horror. Uh, no, it's probably my favorite television show that I've seen in a very long time. Um, I think it's it goes. I think it goes toe to toe with um, Flanagan's um, Hell House or Hell House and Bly Manor series in terms of quality. It has a fantastic cast of Lauren Ambrose and J- Rupert Grint. Oh my God, Where's aka he Ron been? Weasley. Yes, <laughs> um, he is playing a kind of creepo brother in this but like so but this the story is about a philadelphia couple who are in mourning after an unspeakable tragedy um takes the life of their kid and the the wife to cope has has like started picking up one of these like dolls that um is very realistic to the point that she thinks that it is real and they hire a nanny to watch over the the doll and in the first episode, the doll becomes human, and it goes from there. And it's very culty. It's very mysterious. It's directed by, or it's created by M. Night um, Shyamalan. I don't know how to pronounce his last Shyamalan. name. Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Okay. It's directed by him, and it's probably the best thing that he's ever done. It is, it is fabulous, and I really wish more people were watching it, because season two is coming out in January, and I will be covering it. I am... So excited for it to come out. I need to. So it's on Apple TV, you said, right? Yes, it's on Apple TV Plus. And uh, yes, I mean, another there's, streaming there's service. Some, <laughs> I know, but there's actually some really good shows on it. Um, Not just like Servant is really good, but also Mythic Quest, which is about um, a video game company and sort of like them trying to create this MMO, this massively multiplayer online game and sort of like the inner struggles of game development. And oh. that has Ashley Birch in it, who I love. Oh. I don't know if you know who Ashley Birch is, but I said that name sounds familiar. She had like this um this YouTube show called Hey Ash, What You Playing? Oh, and then she okay. voices Tiny Tina on Border in the Borderlands games, and like she's oh, like a voice okay. actor now. But she's in it. She's fa- she's fab. I love her. She's queer. I think she's fantastic. But yeah, so I, I do think I think I get it. Adding another <laughs> streaming service to the already crowded lineup is is a lot. But I'm telling you, I. Servant is is so good. On the other side of things, I also watched The Stand. I've seen the first four episodes of it, which is the CBS All Access adaptation of the Stephen King novel, of course. Um, the ubiquitous Stephen King novel that I think everyone knows about, pretty much. Have you ever read it, the book? Mary, Mary no, Beth? I was too scared of it. 
<laughs> not like I'm like okay scared of it means like how daunting how long it was <clears throat> no, i think that was yeah it's it's a it's his longest book it's longer than it in the uncom- in the complete and uncut version the the cut version i think is 800 pages but you don't want to read that one you want to read the the uncut so i'm kind of mixed on the stand the this adaptation it has a phenomenal cast james marsden who is mr hot i love him i think he is so incredibly attractive is in it um yes, goldberg is, is in it oh Amby amber heard is in it um ah. uh. well amber heard has some issues yes yes she does <laughs> she got some issues odessa young is in it though who is in i don't think you've seen i don't think you've seen it yet mary beth but assassination nation from 2018 she was in that she was in shirley wasn't she was she in shirley odessa young yeah she was yeah she was she was um and Shirley, and she is very good. Yeah, so she's in this. Um, like, uh, Greg Kinnear is in this. A bunch of like character actors that like you you look at them and like, oh, I know I know that person is in it. Catherine McNamara, um, Shadowhunters show, mm, and she okay. was in Maze Runner. She's in it. So it has a stacked cast. I just I'm having a huge problem with the way it's framed. It's doing the lost thing where it's telling a storyline in like the beginning throes of the plague and then five months later. So it go- there's a lot of constant oh, back and forth. Oh, okay. And that's not how the book is. And I get you have to make some concessions, but I, I think the power of the book is that you spend so much time with these characters seeing their struggles through the plague and not knowing what's going to happen. And then they finally band together and then shit starts to hit the fan again and so, like, here where it's, like, I feel like it kind of negates a lot of that that beginning struggle because you see, instead of it being, like, a progressive tale, it's almost as if, like, here's where we are now and here's where they were five months ago. So it almost feels like individual prequels for each character's story as opposed to, like, a story unfolding in front of you, if that makes sense. Do they have those, like, prequel things? Not prequel-esque things in the book like is that discussed at all it no it starts like it starts right as like the pandemic is 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 happening where the the disease is called captain trips and it's like gets out there and it follows these what is it called captain trips (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) and it follows these characters as they are because like the 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 disease is like 99.4 percent lethal And so Mm -hmm. it follows these like very small number of people as they struggle through um, this sort of apocalyptically happening America that are also having this dream of either a, or sometimes both either a, this, um, this woman in, well, in the book in Nebraska or this, this man, this devil man in Las Vegas. And so you start to see the, the characters sort of like, convalescing in these different areas and they they pass each other and everything and so like the way the book is set up vice the way it is in the in the movie or this the show where it's like five months here and then this is what happened in the past and it sort of just does this like jumping back and forth that i don't i it kind of kills my my suspense because i'm like yeah we know you you survive so like nothing is going to matter in these in these flashbacks other than you're like using it as sort of like a lost vehicle, like the the television mm. show Lost, where it's like, here's why he's doing it now, and it's instead of it 
not fooling this. I don't know. I just, I'm having a real, real tough time dealing with the way it's framed. Um, so I, it, but other than that, it's really good. Like Alexander Skarsgård plays the, the dark man, the, the evil guy. And of course mm-hmm. he's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, mine too. And like, I'm like, yeah, tempt me dark daddy. I, like I, you know, <laughs> like I, I, I can understand why someone would want to be, would want to be tempted by, Mr. Randall Flagg, the dark man in this, because it's Alexander Skarsgård. But um, yeah, so like I, I think it's good. It's being really faithful as a, as opposed in concerning with like the characters and the the plot. It's just the way it's it's tackled is really it, it's an issue for me that I'm slowly trying to work myself through. But I've seen the first four episodes, and um, I think that if you can get past that issue you'll probably like okay. what what it's what it's selling if you like the original story okay and where is that streaming again that is on cbs all access so jesus which, christ yeah which i mean i can't keep up i know <laughs> and that that's another one too where it's like there might just be one show on that that you watch i know like, i mean if you like star Wars or star trek then that's star- like someone's gonna come for you <laughs> i know right sorry i forgot the stars both wars and treks my bad <laughs> um so that does it about does it for this week's minisode but before we wrap up terry who are we talking to on monday we're gonna talk to director justin dyke who directed uh, anything for jackson which is currently streaming on shutter and we are talking about the princess bride that's such a cool one to pick to talk about and it was really cool to revisit it and think about that movie that is just like ingrained in our subconsciousnesses. And it's also kind of fun to talk about that we're talking to this director who has spent his, his a lot of his career directing Christmas movies. And this episode's coming out on Christmas. Totally not planned, but we'll take it. Yeah, exactly. So next week's Little Cuts lands on Christmas Day, mm. which is wild, but that's already here. I know. So to celebrate i guess (laughs) we are going to be watching we're not going to watch a giallo we're going to watch dial code santa yeah on shutter so if you want to watch along please do i'm very excited i have not seen this terry has i've heard many a good thing about this movie so i'm very excited and then um we're also both going to consume some kind of christmas horror content um yeah because why not? Christmas horror is everything. And I've dis- discovered that mostly this year. And I, it's like they're going to be the perfect thing to listen to after you've opened presents in the morning. Mm-hmm. And like you're kind of just like in a lull for the day. And you can just listen to us talk about Christmas horror. Or you've so had you enough know. about people. Yeah, exactly. You want to like run away. If you're celebrating with people. Although I guess yeah. technically or, you know might not be. If you're celebrating by yourself or with a smaller group, we'll be there with yeah, you. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'll be doing, celebrating in a very, very small group, so. Yeah, exactly. Me too. Please, please, small groups, everybody. Yeah, stay safe. Be safe. (laughs) But y'all, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Uh, Did you watch a film that we watched and have some thoughts? Do you have suggestions for movies that we talk about? Y'all are really sending us some good ones. JD... Gravit sent me a good one, um, the unwelcome, the unwelcoming house that I'm going to watch oh. this week. So I'm excited for that one. So y'all are sending some great suggestions. Please keep them coming. I am enjoying them immensely. Um, but 
if you haven't sent us any yet and want to, you can email us at scarredforlifepodcast at email.com or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm McGailey Dreadful. Make sure to follow the podcast at Scarred Podcast. And don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Steve Barnold for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you to everyone for listening. Stay safe out there. Most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.